Thank you for tuning in to our message here at Catalyst Church. We're excited that you're with us. Stay tuned at the end to find out more ways that you can connect with us. We hope you enjoy the message. Um, verses 12 to 27 on my heart. But before we jump in, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for this awesome time that we've been able to spend together so far, worshiping you, giving you the praise that you deserve. Lord, it's not about us. This has nothing to do with me whatsoever. It's all about you. So this morning we ask that your spirit would just work in our hearts to bring your truths from your word to life. Lord, may you align our passion with yours. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Passion. It's a term, if you go to Google and you look it up, this is the first definition, a strong and a barely controllable emotion. You don't have to spend much time with a person to find out what they're passionate about. Whether it be food, or money, or cars, or sports, like me, clothes, could be guys, girls. It generally has something to do with the stage of life that that person is in, or an area that they might be gifted in. But it's often influenced by the people that you spend your time with. As we flip through the pages of Scripture, we learn about the passion of Jesus. He was and is passionate about the glory of God. Is he not? We see that he's passionate about saving the lost. It's clear throughout Scripture. But we also learn that he's passionate about the body and the bride of Christ. That is his church. And while we often focus on the first two, that is God's glory and the gospel, it's Christ's passion regarding the church that often gets overlooked. And there may be many reasons, but one reason in particular may be the individualistic or the self-centered society that we've grown up in. It's not a new phenomenon either, because Satan has always been about isolating people, right? in order to get them to think that the world revolves around them rather than God. In the Garden of Eden, Satan tempted Eve, and while she was on her own without Adam by her side, to, it was at that moment, right, where then she sinned by taking of the fruit of the one tree that God had said not to eat from, but noticed in that moment of isolation. Talk to people today that either hop from one congregation to the next or have stopped going to church altogether, and you'll hear some reasons, such as, well, that place was too old, or everyone there was way too young, or the music was too old-fashioned, or for some, it's too contemporary, or maybe the socioeconomic divide is just too great, or maybe nobody looks the same as I do, or they weren't hospitable enough, no one said hi to me. I felt out of place. No one was in my stage of life. Bottom line, I can't identify with anyone. Right? Those are all thoughts that we see and reasons why people oftentimes will go from one place to the next. Or in many cases, I know so many people who have just stopped going altogether. 
And if it was up to me, and if it was up to many of the people's advice, you know, I might say, go and find a place that's comfortable, where you fit in, where you can grow and relax at the same time. Right? Isn't that good advice? But here's the question. Is it biblical? What lens are we looking through? Our, the, the lens of our own eyes, our own minds? Or are we really looking at things through the lens of God? So please don't take it the wrong way. Because I've been struggling this now, with this for a long time. See, I was the guy who used to think, just me and you, Lord. Just me and you. I used to spend an hour or two almost every day in God's word, worshiping the Lord, listening to sermons by people like Greg Laurie, Chip Ingram, David Jeremiah, Chuck Swindoll, Vernon McGee, and the list goes on. I loved everything that I read and I saw about our great and wonderful God, about the beauty of the gospel. But there was something about the church that used to really turn me off. How could a bunch of people claim to love God come out of hibernation once a week to listen to a sermon, sing some songs, say hallelujah, only to turn back into zombies on cruise control as soon as the service ended so that they could pick up from where they had just left off the week before? Is that a picture of the church that Christ died for and that he's so passionate for? Well, how do we know that Jesus is actually passionate about the church? And I'm glad you asked. Because over a third of the New Testament books were written to various churches. Here's a couple of examples. Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and Revelation. Get this. And over a third were also written to individuals or groups of people within the church concerning how they were to live or instruct those within the church. 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude. What a huge part of the New Testament. If you want to know what God is passionate about, it's his church. You see, he's passionate about his church, but we've got to stop seeing it through our eyes because left to our own devices, we'll continue to view the church as an institution that caters and should be centered around meeting our needs. So let's take a look at the church from God's perspective. If you want to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20 through 27. And it's in this passage that God teaches us several truths. So truth number one. Each believer at the moment of salvation is baptized into the body of Christ. That is the church. Notice verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is made up, of one, of, made up not of one, but of many. Now, check this out. We were all baptized by one spirit to form one body. Each believer at the moment of accepting Christ as their Savior 
the Bible says, is placed by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. It's a beautiful picture. Note, if you ever thought of the church as a building or a group of believers and have stopped there, then the idea of the church is not really the church. See, what we think about something doesn't make that the something that it is. What it actually is, is based on the way God intended it to be what it is. Okay, now I'm sounding kind of philosophical almost. See, the church is made up of many members like our physical bodies. The Bible says at the moment of salvation, God applies the work of Christ's death, burial, resurrection, on our behalf, and we are placed at that moment, we are submersed into the body of Christ. Whereas beforehand, there were many different you know, Jews, Gentiles, slave, free, maybe the way that you look, maybe your socioeconomic status, and there was all these different little groups that you might have identified with. God says in his word that at the moment of salvation, in Christ, in the body of Christ, all of that goes away. Now you are all members. You no longer identify with all those things, even though you may, like, from an earthly standpoint, you may, but based on God's perspective, the way that he sees you now, he sees you now as one body, each as different parts. The second thing that we learn is that each believer has a God-given role within the body of Christ. That is the church. Okay? Each believer has a God-given role within the body of Christ. That is the church. If the foot should say, verse 15, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. This is not me writing this. Like, I love this text because I don't have to try and create this beautiful picture for you, for you to be able to understand it. God gives us this illustration directly from his word. And he says, this is how the body is to operate. Each believer has a God-given role. Notice, a God-given role within the body of Christ. It's not up to the foot to decide that I want to be a hand or vice versa. It's not the hand's job to walk and the foot's job to smell, even though at times it may smell, right? But here's a thought. In a society of what I term kangaroo Christians, hopping from one church to another, trying to find anyone and everyone who is like them, it's not a biblical view. See, while I may in my natural mind think that's a great idea, if we take God seriously and we take him at his word, his word says that all members are part of one body and each member is unique. God has not made everyone to do the same thing. And God is the one who decides, not us, what our role is to be within the body. 
So the text presents this problem. It's that when we try to get together with a bunch of people that are exactly like us, it would be like getting a whole bunch of noses together. And when you have a whole bunch of noses together, all you can do is smell and pick them, I guess. But there isn't a whole lot of effectiveness because that's not the way that God designed it to be. As we talked about what God is passionate about, and as we look to his word, and we see that over two-thirds of the New Testament was written to churches or individuals within the churches to edify and build up the body of believers, to love one another, to instruct on how the church was to operate. We see not a picture of singularity, but rather one of unity, one of love. And so as we'll learn in the coming weeks in Paul's letter to Titus, Manny, Josh, Angelo, how older men and women are to operate and how younger men and younger women are to operate, we begin to see how God's design was never for the church to be a bunch of people with just one gift. He never designed it to be a group in which people would separate themselves based on race, based on gender, based on age. If anything, we are to complete, we are to, we are to see the complete opposite of that, right? Where we see all these differences because of all the unique roles that God has given. We see that he designed each one of us different in a way so that together, in the same ways that our bodies function, right? Head, hands, feet, legs, toes. We see that he designed each one of us to be able to function as a unit, to rely on one another so that we would be built up with one another to do the work that the Lord has set out for the body of Christ, that is the church, to do. It's no longer this lone ranger mentality, like, all right, I'm part of the special forces, so while you guys all, you know, stay at home, I'm going to go, you know, it's not that mentality. It's the body together. So that takes us to our third, um, third point in the text. Each believer is interdependent on one another to maximize the effectiveness of the body of Christ. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. What a beautiful picture. Each believer is dependent on one another to maximize the effectiveness of the body of Christ. Each member needs one another because there are various roles within the body. 
And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Have you ever noticed a woman, which parts of their body that they pay the most attention to? Their fingernails, their toenails, their eyelashes, their eyebrows. Say what? (laughs) And yet God says this is a good thing. You see, within the church, there are those that have the needs that we will pay special care to. And yet God says that this is a good thing. Because you are looking out for one another, and in so doing, you are showing love for one another. You know, I think of an example, because we've been praying for a number of people in our church, right? Think about Rachel, Rachel, little Jacob. Um, Think about Maria and her family with her mom. And sometimes the temptation is to think, I feel so weak at this moment. I feel so insignificant at this moment. Like I can't do anything. I have nothing to give. It's like everyone's caring for me. And yet, like, but Lord, I want to be the one in that position. I want to be the muscle. I want to be your spokesperson. But like, I'm just so, and yet God says, but that is the picture that I want. That's the picture that I want. Why? Because then you care for one another, and the person who thinks that they're weak and that they're being a burden, like your nails, is actually presenting a beautiful picture to the world of what Christ wants them to see, how you care for one another. Because you're looking out for one another. And as you do so, you show love for one another. See, there are, the, there are parts that, the other parts we see that are fine, but those that may seem strong, they're there to do what? To help, to give strength. Every part, as simple as they may be, plays a special role. Just as the nails, my nail protected me the other day from cutting my finger with a super sharp knife. Just as the eyebrows help with the appearance, and they protect the eyes from the sun. Each member within the church plays a role in being a model to the world around us. Because as Jesus said before he left, by this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So let us not be discouraged today, but encouraged Let us not think about the church in a poor way, but let us grow in our appreciation for the church, in our passion for the church, in aligning our passion with Christ's passion for the church. I want to encourage you today that if you see an area that you don't like, you may see an area where it might be lacking in hospitality, where it might be a need that you're like, you know what, they're missing this. Take that as an indication from the Lord placing it on your heart and mind because he's given you awareness about an area that there might be a need and he's placed you there for such a time as this. That you might begin to operate as a member within the body of Christ to edify, to build up the church. Why? Because we need you. I need you. You need me. 
And the picture is, and together, I love this picture that Jesus gave in Matthew. He says, because it would be by the church that the gates of hell would not prevail. They would not be able to withstand the body of Christ, which is the church. It's not this picture of, let me just protect myself so that I can withstand everything. But Jesus says, no, my church, dude, my church, they're going to be such a power, such a force to be reckoned with, that the gates of hell, they cannot withstand the church. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to bring about through you, through me. And so together, we can storm the enemy's strongholds. And by the grace of God, see people who currently are held captive set free. Amen? Amen. So, as the church, each different members, no one being jealous of another because of what they're doing. Why? Because each part which God has given is necessary. And if we begin to do that and rally around one another and we begin to come with one another and say, it's no longer you because you're old, so you're going to be just here, and you because you're young. No, every member is needed. And what happens if we cut off a member from allowing them to have an opportunity to serve in their role that God has given them? You know what happens? I experienced this when I had a cast one time when I broke my finger. And after it was immobilized for a few weeks and they took the cast off, I could not move my finger. It had begun to, I guess what I'll call spiritual atrophy, right? Where it's like you start to shrink and you, and you start losing your effectiveness. And my finger was meant to help. It seems like such a small part. And yet it like crippled me for a while from being able to use my right hand, my little tiny pinky, right? And just as we see that picture, God's like, I want each one of you, each one of you has a role. And at Catalyst, at this time where we're about to go and, you know, Manny used the term adopt Paradise Hills. In some ways, I feel like we're almost being adopted by them because really they're the older ones. They're the ones with the facility, you know, God's in all these things there. But you know what? We need one another. When we go there, we may think like we're the ones who are the healthy ones. Uh-uh. We need one another. By having some of the older ones in the church, they bring such wisdom and insight to life that we might be lacking. They have some of the, the resources and the things that we are lacking. And yet we might have some of the energy that they wish they still had that we can bring. And together, God wants to see catalysts be used, each person, together, right? To do, to do the work that God has set out before us to do. I love this picture, and I'll end here. In Ephesians 3, 8 through 11, it says, to me, though I am the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow. That 
through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities. And that's not only just here on earth, but it's even a testimony to those in the heavenly places according to the purpose that Jesus, right, has set in place. And what a powerful testimony the church is. Lord, we pray this morning that you would begin to bring this text and apply it to the body here at Catalyst, this local body of believers. Lord, that we would no longer think of ourselves as some hotshots or all trying to aspire to get certain gifts because, Lord, you're the one who's given each, each role within the body. And each role, as we've seen here today, is so necessary. Your word says it's indispensable. It's needed. Lord, for those of us who might feel like we're not needed at this moment, Lord, I pray that you would just take your word and your Holy Spirit would just work on our hearts to say, no, that is not true. That's a lie of the enemy. But that you are treasured by the body. And I pray that you would work on us who have this mentality where there's just there's these different roles and maybe we're all aspiring to be the one thing. Lord, I pray that you would change our, our mindset and our eyes and align it with what your word says that we would truly begin to care for what seems like the very least and wrap our arms around it. That like the way I am, like a little baby when I get a tiny cut and I'm, I'm like, what? I can't do anything. I have this little cut. Lord, I pray that when we have those little wounds in our church, that the entire body would say, stop. We're all right there so that we might be a true testimony to the world around us of what real love looks like, which is the love that Christ taught us. And so we pray all these things in the precious and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Today's message was recorded at Catalyst Church San Diego. For more information on Catalyst Church and to find out ways to connect with us, visit our website at catalystchurchsd.com. We look forward to fellowshipping with you.